welcome to our bonus episode on the Rosebud Film Festival. Yes, indeed. The old Rosebud Film Festival. So, this is the first ever film festival I've attended. And me too. It was extraordinarily exciting. And again, huge thanks to Peninsula Cinemas, in particular Kelly, Jess and Talon there. Just so supportive of us and what we're doing here. I know we say it a lot, but we really cannot understate how much the support means to us. So, again, it is, it is, thank you. We can't, like, it, not enough words we could say to extend our level of gratitude to you guys because it's, it's a fantastic feeling. And yeah, getting, getting the invite to come and check out this film festival, it was, it was amazing. No, it really was. So. Fantastic experience. You had a much more larger experience than me. You got to stick around and see all 11 films over the course of the weekend. I managed to stick around and see six. So what we'll do here is we'll go through these films in alphabetical order and we'll give our little reviews on the film. Yep. And we're going to start off with Alo's Journey. Alo's Journey. Do you want to start this one, Hendo? Yeah, this is basically a documentary about a reindeer and his growth from birth to adulthood. And- this is a this is a perfectly fine little film. It's a, a nice looking film. Like it, it's set basically in the snow, so you watch that on the big screen and the the awesome locales there. It looks pristine up there. I I think generally it was an interesting documentary that I had a decent time with. It's a three star film for me. Okay, for me, I loved this film. Did you? I loved it. Um, seeing it on the big screen, that snow, like I fucking love snow. It looks so good, you know, from a cinematography point of view. It was amazing. And it is narrated by Donald Sutherland, who has this just soft- He does have that uh, Amusing voice. voice, though. Like, there is that sense of humour as well without him outwardly trying to make jokes and stuff. He has a very entertaining way of speaking. But the real star here is obviously the reindeer, Alo. It's- yeah, I I absolutely love this film. I I love the sequences as well where they veer off from Alo and they actually look at other wild animals. Yeah, animals. I, I like how they construct a story around that too. Like you see certain things where there's oh, what do they look called the little gopher type creatures and then the owl is lemmings. Like, lemmings, that's it. And the owl is like the chicken them. nuggets of the north. That's Endo. right. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was great too. And they treat it like yeah, this looks like this sort of horror film. It's yeah, certain like point. there's scenes with wolverines, which you, you know you never see. That was great. There's stuff with wolves and this. Uh, I really did like this this story, this journey, and also it was very educational for me. I barely knew reindeer were even <laughs> real until a few years ago, I reckon. And now I I just have this solid wealth of information about how they live, how they survive, and the importance their mother plays in teaching vital life lessons about courage, persistence, and following your instincts. Very good documentary, four stars. Fantastic. All right, the next film that we're going to talk about here, because this is in alphabetical order, is Angel of Mine. Who's that little girl? Really pretty. Jeremy's sister. Don't panic. I'm Claire. Lizzie. How's your medication? Much better. You haven't been doing so great. Full custody. You know this was coming. Hi. I saw this place listed online and I thought I'd check it out. Would you like to see upstairs? Can I come in? 
This is about a woman grieving over the death of her daughter, and she loses grip of reality when she begins to think her girl may still be alive. Yeah, and this is probably the most mainstream film of the the festival, I would say. Yep, definitely, I would say that. You got stars like Numi Rapace, Yvonne Strahovski, Luke Evans, and Richard Roxburgh in here. And for me, this was this was fine for me. I thought it was a semi decent thriller about this, you know. Numi Rapace character. I, I don't know how to say her name. Numi Rapace. Numi Rapace. It's for me the biggest positive is Numi Rapace. Mm-hmm. She is very emotional, basically from the start to the end of this film. Yep, and it's believable. Like I was never thinking that she's overdoing it or you know she's acting. I was looking at it like, yep, I I buy into all this. I also really liked. Um, the husband, Luke Evans. I thought he was strong as well. For He has a much smaller role, but I thought he did play his part well. Probably for me, though, it was a bit too generic, and I don't think the script was strong enough to plant any breadcrumbs needed to keep the mystery element alive. I felt mm-hmm. there wasn't much pushing this film and keeping my interest. So, for me, it doesn't really stand out overly it's not bad. It just doesn't go to the next level plot-wise. I give it two and a half stars. Fair enough. Uh, I agree with most of what you said there. I think Numi Rapace puts in a pretty solid performance in this film. She gives this uh, genuinely emotional yet uncomfortable performance as well. I definitely got some like kindergarten teacher vibes off this one. I thought you were going to say kindergarten cop. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I feel like with this one, the motive behind- what she's doing, it fits better than what was like what it was like in the kindergarten teacher, which I I didn't really like as a film. Ultimately, the ending just ruined this for me. I I felt like it it takes way too many steps in like leaps leaps in logic, mm. and I just thought it just really wrecked what they were, what they were going for, and it just it just crashed at the end. So I think it's two and a half star film as well. Yep. All right, then we get to our next film, which is The Biggest Little Farm. And this is a documentary about the successes and failures of a couple determined to live in harmony with nature on a farm outside of Los Angeles. Now, what did you think of this documentary, Dean? Is it better than Alo's Journey? No. Okay. Definitely not. Yeah, no. I really got into Alo's Journey. <laughs> um, <laughs> although this film, The Biggest Little Farm, I'm, I think of it fondly. I do. And I still like, you know, days later, it's still, I do think, still think about this film. It's this, it's a cute film, you know, it's this little doco drama. And there's a lot of adorable farm animals in it. And yeah. they do a lot of adorable farm animal stuff. I think this is probably as good a documentary as you're ever going to get based on a farm. And I also think the two main people, John Chester and Molly Chester, they're, they're great. They're very easy to watch. They're engaging with the audience. You really get on their side. Because they have problem after problem after problem come up with starting this farm from Dust from scratch. Yeah, like dead soil. Yeah, dead soil. So seeing them actually solve each one sort of one by one and how everything sort of tries to find this harmony, as you said before, it was it was engaging for me. I give it three stars. Fair enough. Well, this is a it's a gorgeous looking film. Like there are lots of stunning shots of it's like planet Earth style footage along the way here. I think I agree with you. I think this is probably the best thing they can do with a story, which is ba- it is basically about running a farm. They try and put in things that are happening, like bad things that are happening on the way, which you know sets up a bit of tension or things to do along the way in the film. The, the thing is with some of these things, though, they're tr- they're regular things that are happening on everyday farms, but they treat it like they treat it like it's these big revelations along the way, like. You know, they found out that ducks could eat snails, and it's a tra- it's like this whole big revelation, and the, and the music gets upbeat. But and they're the- not farmers; like they come in, 
So they come in from a lifetime of experience on the farm, which is what's so crazy. Like they just read some farm books and go, you know what? We want to do it. Let's do it. I feel like they just, they had to be a bit more than that. I feel like they've they've definitely cut out some things, a lot more of the negative things. I felt like it was a little bit too self-serving, but- I, I still enjoyed it. Like I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's three and a half. I mean, it's, film. it's made by the people who it's about. Like, of course, it's going to be self-serving. <laughs> anyway, I still liked it. It's three and a half star film. Three and a half. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, good. All right, and that brings us to our next film, which was the the feature film of the film festival, and that yeah. is a boy called Sailboat. My brother one day said, "You find the most important things when you're not looking." That day, I was not looking. So when I found it, I knew it was important. Can you play on this little guitar? No, but I was thinking to teach it to myself. Sailboat, write me a song on that little guitar. I see you got yourself a new acquisition there, a little guitar, no less. Maybe I can play to you my song and you can tell me about it. It would be my listening pleasure. Yeah, this was a film that kicked off the festival and afterwards we had, you know, director Cameron Nugent there. We had producer Andrew Curry, who is Stephen Curry's brother, who's pretty much how he goes by now. And also actor Nick Farnell was there as well. So once the movie was done, we did have this Q&A session at the end, which was fantastic. Like, uh, I definitely got a question in. I loved every <laughs> second of it. <laughs> yes. So let's let's talk about the film before we get into the uh, the Q and A at the end. But uh, a boy called Sailboat. A Hispanic family find hope in their extraordinary son named Sailboat when a personal gesture awakens a global desire. Armed with a little guitar, Sailboat leads an offbeat cast into the miraculous story of the greatest secret never told. And this has some actors in it you might know. You've got Jake Busey, Noel Guglielmi, but I think the big one here is Mr. J.K. Simmons. Yes, J.K. Simmons gets the biggest uh, face on the poster. Absolutely. <laughs> a little little screen time. He's there for a little bit, but when he's there, he's there. And th- and for me, this is a very highly quirky, delightful film. It looks really good. Like this is outback cinematography. I think it shines brightly on the screen. You have some lovely engaging characters here a story that leans on the magical and the whimsical but this world has been set up prior so that you buy into everything that's happening here i i got like a a wes anderson vibe from this film okay the good wes anderson i can say that yeah it's i i I bought into this film like there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in this film there is but it doesn't it doesn't feel too weird like you think about it after i was like yeah that is really weird but it does fit this world. It doesn't feel like it's weird for the sake of weird. It doesn't feel out of place, which is obviously welcome. But for me, I think the performances from the kids here are fantastic. And they were speaking about it at the end where basically they cast, you know, these young kids who hadn't acted, who were virtually the characters in the script. Yeah. It's not like they were casting kids and were told, right, you need to act like this way that you're not like at all. They did a really smart thing here where they cast these kids in roles that really suit them and just let them go a bit free, and it really does elevate this film. I like the the vagueness of some of the film as well, like certain choices that the, the director and the producer made that opened up a discussion about this film, which was perfect for a mm. Q&A after the film. That really opened my eyes to just everyone's interpretations. I really like how they left a lot of things out in the open for you to, for you to make your own opinion on. 
Yeah. But for me, I think this film has a lot of heart, plenty of comedy throughout. Oh, yeah. And this great message really about at the heart of it dealing with grief in our own special way that was- yeah, very, very well delivered. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. For me, this is a four-star film. Wow. For yeah. me, it's three and a half. Four-star. I, I really, really dug this film. Yeah. And in the Q&A after, it was so interesting because this Cameron Nugent and Andrew Curry, these are Australian guys. They're making this Hispanic film in Mexico and hearing the story of how they, you know, get the script- get the money for it yeah. and the craziness of getting someone like J.K. Simmons out. I definitely broke out the how was J.K. Simmons on set. And they, <laughs> they had a couple of interesting stories about their time with him and just how like shocked that they, they got J.K. Simmons mm. to, to do their film. Yep. And yeah, it was it was really great. The Q&A was fantastic and I had an absolute blast with it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that brings us to our next film, which is Emu Runner. Yes, Emu Runner. So, Emu Runner is a story about a spirited young girl in a small town in Australia. She forms a meaningful bond with this wild emu as she tries to cope with the loss of a parent. Yes, and I didn't get to see this one, unfortunately. So, this is all you, Dean. Tell me about Emu Runner. We'll start with the good stuff because this will be quick. Uh, wow. Great. <laughs> Great cinematography. Maybe I'm just biased here because I'm Australian and the Australian (laughs) outback, like that Australian bush, is really appealing to me. Like I've been in these places, not exactly these places, but places very much like this. And it's, yeah, it's, it looks good. I felt the score as well was effective in establishing the serious tone of the movie whilst at the same time being uplifting when need to be. I didn't mind the score. Cool. The negatives, and there's a huge negative for me for this film. Okay. The actors in this film cannot act. Okay. They are- This is some of the worst acting I've ever seen. It is horrendously bad performances. How was the emu? The emu was probably the most natural thing, <laughs> acting-wise, that I saw here. Honestly, like it's, it's so rare you watch a film and you're just like, wow, everyone can't act, but it's so wooden, it's unnatural- but what didn't help it was the equally poor script, the screenplay. The dialogue yeah. is so unbelievable. It's not natural. People do not talk like this. And whilst the story does flow okay, the conversations between our main characters have no heart or believability to them. Really brings this film down. It's also predictable and doesn't really take any chances story-wise. So, for me, one and a half stars. Wow. They're one and a half bomb, hey? That's a one. All right. Hey, do you want to spoil it now? Is that your worst film of the festival? No. Oh! <laughs> wow, I was not expecting that. Jeez. The tension is palpable now. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to our next film, which is Farming. Now, this is based on the writer-director's childhood. I'm going to have a crack at this. Adiwala Akinoi Ajibaji. Pretty good. Yeah. I know him from- Lost. Lost. Yeah, was it Mr. Echo? Mr. Echo. Yes, that's him. And he wrote and directed this film. It is based on his childhood. It tells the story of a young Nigerian boy who is farmed out by his parents to a white British family in the hope of a better future. And instead, he becomes the feared leader of a white skinhead gang. Yeah, this was an interesting experience seeing this, I must say, because- uh, a, a good chunk of the audience in the cinema were a bit older. Yep. And this film is super confronting. Mm-hmm. It's very graphic. Very in your face. Very provocative. It's brutal. The violence is strong. The language is extreme. Oh, the language is off the charts. 
Uh, it's, it's funny. A Br- it's a British grimy film, yeah, you, yeah. And you know, you got white skinheads in there. There's going to be a lot of this. Yeah, I was speaking to uh, Talon after it, and he said that a lot of people walked out. Yeah, and honestly, I don't blame him. This is this is like a I, f- I got um Made in Britain and Dead Man's Shoes vibes off this. Okay. Just, that grimy British feel, mm. but it, this one just felt off to me. Okay, uh, it, I never got too deep into the characters for me. I think the script wasn't that crash hot, uh, and, and like I said before, it's probably not the movie's fault, but the plot summary that I just read is incredibly misleading. Like I, I read this plot summary before I went into the film. I don't know why you do that because I want to know what it's about a little bit. I want to know what I'm walking into. I go in so blind and there are there are surprises. Stop there are surprises. Oh, good one. There are surprises <laughs> that like floored me. Floored me. I had no idea this was a true story that about Kate Beckinsale was in this. I knew Kate Beckinsale was in. It. I had no idea it was a true story about this director that I'm not going to try and say his name. Right? That was crazy. I I didn't like the the tacked on part at the end. I thought it was way out of tone from the rest of the film. It's this sharp turn, and it just it it felt like it wasn't part of the film. Yeah, I I disagree with that. Okay. I really like this film. Wow, I really didn't like this film. Oh wow, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I, I give this I give this a two star. I give this four. Wow. So I thought you could have gone either way with this because for, you know for the setup here, we don't speak about any of these films no, until we sit down here. So yeah, I I could have seen you liking it. I could have seen you not liking it though. So nah. See, it it swung big. It swung big, as we said. It is uh, confronting and provocative, and that it worked for me. I c- I can understand if it didn't work for you, then this film would not work at all. But for me, the scenes that were you know really trying to get a, a reaction from the audience, they worked for me. I got a reaction. It was. Very, very affecting for me. I really liked it. I'm Ooh. actually surprised you didn't like it. Nah, I just I didn't feel it. Okay. All right. I'm glad you liked it. All right, and that brings us to our next film, which is The Ideal Palace. Now, this follows Joseph Ferdinand Cheval, who is a French postman who built a palace in the French countryside over 33 years. Now, I did not get to see this one. So, Dean, enlighten us. What's this film like? It's very slow. Okay. But slow can be good. It is a very slow burn. I had- some issues with the first act, with pacing. But thankfully, I've said this a few times with these films, actually, the cinematography was enthralling enough to keep me engaged. These vast French landscapes that we see, really stunning, like, yeah. honestly. And the use of natural lighting as well, really a standout. It's this small story. It's this very unlikely protagonist, the main character, Joseph Ferdinand Chavelle. Chavel, he he is does not say much. Okay. He is not a great communicator. I I would go so far as to say if he was you know living in today's society, he would definitely be diagnosed with uh, something because he just he just can't communicate. Like some sort of autism. Yeah, or um, Asperger's maybe. Yep. It's but I, I like I know people like this and seeing this story through this guy's eyes, who you don't normally see stories through mm-hmm. was really interesting. So, watching his journey as he goes through various stages of his life, because this is not a short span. This is like his entire adult life we see. Yeah. We really get to know this man. We learn to understand him and we learn to appreciate his mind and values. Or at least I did. And I get this film won't be for everyone. I really do, not by a long stretch, but this was by far the most emotionally effective movie for me from the festival. Wow. I tried and failed to hold back tears in this film. Oh, you got the tears going. I did. It was embarrassing. Uh, 
it, it's beautiful. It's really complex, but at the same time, it's it's this really simple message about love and family. It's just it really hit home for me. Like, well done. Honestly, I went in half an hour in. I was like, wow, I'm struggling here. And by the end of it, this is the movie I've thought about more than any other. Damn. Yeah. Really, really strong stuff. Interesting. Four, four stars. All right. Well, then let's talk about the next film, shall we? Jerga. Can we meet? Told you not to come. It's impossible what you want to do. They'll kill you. Can you get me a driver? I want to go here. No, Kandahar is very dangerous. Nah, please. Da got a boom. Taliban, 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 Taliban. Yes, made under extraordinary and extremely dangerous conditions, Jerga tells the emotional story of a former Australian soldier who travels to Afghanistan to seek forgiveness. Now, I wasn't too sure if this was a documentary or an actual film but before I went in and saw this. Did you have, did you know about, did you read up a plot summary or anything? Or? I don't read anything about these films at all. But we got a, we got a sheet. I explained actively it. avoided reading that. All right, fair enough. I don't want to know. I okay, really okay, don't want to know. All right, fine. What do you think of Jerga? Fucking loved it. <laughs> loved it. I really enjoyed it too. Like the performances are so real. This, as you said, like this feels like a documentary. It's not a documentary, but man, it's so realistic. Not just um, the main character, Aussie Sam Smith, but the Afghan actors who are playing like, you know, anything from rural locals to city people to the Taliban members. Yeah. There's so much. There's a surprising amount of depth to these characters. My only gripe would be I would question the realism of some of the responses to the locals, but that honestly, that could just be my ignorant assumptions coming through into this movie. Yeah, I think this has some solid themes of like regret and forgiveness, redemption, and I admire that they show both sides of the story here from the Australians and the Taliban as well. You get to see a little bit of... Questioning from both yeah, sides. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I think it's great that they actually went and shot this in Afghanistan. Like, that's, mm. that's insane. Oh, yeah. That is insane. So, kudos to everyone who was involved in doing that. I think it looks really good too. Like, this, you get cinematography of certain things like Alio, Alio's Journey with like the snow, and that, that looks great. But then you get cinematography like this where they're showing the vast barren lands of Afghanistan, and it looks good. Mm. Like, you see it on the screen, like, damn, like they can make something like that look stunning. And it really works. I, I really enjoyed this film too. This is a this is a three and a half star film for me. Yeah, for me, I felt it was tense at times, gentle at others, but always interesting, always thought-provoking. Highly recommended. Another four-star film. Interesting. Mm. All right. Well, let's move into our next film, which is Lost and Found. Now, this is a film with seven interconnecting stories set in and around a lost and found office of the Irish train station. Yeah, so going into this film, I did actually accidentally overhear someone say that it was an anthology film. Okay. So I it, did not get to see this, by the way. It did shape my viewing of the first story. So the first story is you start off in this lost and found office at a train station with this guy. Yep. And I'm watching, I'm like, this is good, but I'm not sure how this is going to, you know, go on, how this can last. Yeah, so, where does the story go on from here? Yeah, exactly. So I really 
I did enjoy the anthology element to it, though, because I was expecting them not to intersect. Okay. And they intersect. Some of them are really like someone wears a jacket that was in the first Lost and Found, you know, story. And you see that, you're like, oh, okay. So, it is same universe. And then as it goes on, some characters start to heavily feature in multiple stories. All right. And I feel like doing this and not just having these, you know, isolated stories does allow us to get to know these characters from different points of view, which I did appreciate. It's definitely funny at times. It's a super easy watch. Three stars for me. Okay. Not bad at all. All right, on to our next film, which is Sorry We Missed You. Now, this is a story exploring the issue of hardship in modern day Britain through a young couple scraping to get by in a casual jobs market. A hard-up delivery driver and his career wife are pushed to breaking point as they struggle to keep their family afloat in a world of zero-hour contracts and gig work. Now, I did not get to see this one as well, so, Dean, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah. For me, this film was wow. 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 Maybe too damn realistic for my liking. This film captures the essence of this struggling working family all too well. Hurdle after hurdle are met with desperation and real anger from these people. Where, you just you feel for this family. Like, where is this family's escape for this man who is trying so hard to provide for his family to get through each day, week, month, year, try and support his kids who have issues of their own that they look at? Like, this guy is virtually killing himself to provide. And you just, you're sort of watching, like, oh, when is this going to end? I don't mean the, the film. I mean, when is this just struggle going to let up for yeah. this guy? But the children and their relationship with everyone in the family is sometimes the hardest to watch because personally, this is probably one of my biggest fears, just not being able to provide and look after my family. Yeah, I can understand that completely. So, I could really relate to the concerns of this mother and father here. The mother character is great too. She's kind. She's really caring. Like She's a, a nurse. She looks after old people and- She wants the best for her people too, which is why this is a difficult watch because everyone's trying to do the right thing. You got no one here who's being, you know, deceptive or any ill will. Everyone is trying to help and it's just not working for them. You really understand everyone's motivations, which is just what makes it feel so layered. Great story for me. Four stars. Smashing out the four stars for oh, this one. Honestly, looking, going into this- All the four stars you're picking are the ones I missed. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> nah, that's not true. Going in, going into this festival and just seeing the names of these films, I, I didn't know any of them. Yeah. I didn't have huge expectations. I was probably more excited about the event than actually seeing specific films. Mm-hmm. Man, there were some great films, I must say. Awesome. Well, we're into our last film here. And judging by your co- comment before about Amy Runner not being the worst film you saw, we got Susie Q. And yep. this is the story of trailblazing American rock singer, songwriter Susie Quattro, who helped redefine the women, the role of women in rock and roll when she broke out in 1973. Now I miss this one, unfortunately. Is it unfortunate, Heather? I don't know. Are you going to tell me? Nah, this is the worst film. This is actually the film that closed the festival as well, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Walked out on a sour note with old Susie Q. Do you know Susie Q at all? Susie Quattro, yeah. I think I've heard some of her songs before. Yeah, there. Are, I think maybe I knew like three of them as I was watching this documentary. Yeah. This film feels really long and the problem I have with it, oh, it's not. I've just, we've just looked it up. It goes for an hour and 38 minutes. It feels like over two hours. Oh, it's, okay. Nothing happens in this film. There's no conflict in this film. It's like you think of like, you know, Elvis documentaries, Johnny Cash documentaries. These are films with 
conflict. These people struggle and they have to overcome things. Now, I understand Susie Q had to overcome the fact that there was no female like leading rockers at this time. Yeah. I get that. But that's it. Like, and she overcomes that. Like, it's never an issue for her. It's an issue for the public sometimes. She never has this, gee, I was struggling with- uh, being the only female, she's just like, no, I don't think of myself as a female rocker. I think of myself as a rocker. That yeah. sort of mentality. I was just watching it like, is this really it? Like the biggest conflict is that sometimes her sisters aren't always overly nice to her. And like, Ooh. like seriously, that's it. And I walked out, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. That, it was so boring. I don't know. Maybe there are all these Susie Q fans out there that just were dying to see like it. my mum. This did get an applause after the film finished, but I was just- was, I was, it, was it because the film finished? Out the door. And actually, it's funny because the credits- start- You're out the door. The credits started and it started having like more scenes playing next to the credits. Yeah. I didn't even stay for that. I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving. Oh. I am so done for this. It's not funny. Uh, again, you probably had to be a Suzy Q fan, but for me, one star. All right. That's that's the that's the films. Eleven films. You were there for the entirety of the film festival. How was your overall experience? Your first film festival experience? Fantastic. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. It was yeah, we get so looked well looked after as well. But I thought I would struggle big time in watching all these films. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, I say it a lot. I fall asleep during films <laughs> all the time. Like all the time. Yeah. And it's not like just at home. I've fallen asleep at cinemas. I've dozed off, all that stuff. I'm shocking, okay? I'm sorry, but I'm shocking. I thought seeing 11 films over virtually two days and one night, I thought I would struggle. I brought some no-dos with me and I was ready to smash down some coffees. Didn't need any of it. I was wide awake the whole time. I had so much fun. Just great being in the theatre as well with all these people who are film lovers. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I completely agree. It's a commitment to see all these films and a lot of people did. So, very pleasing. Absolutely loved it. What did you think of it? I wasn't there for it as much as you were, but my experiences there were pretty much mirrored of yours. It was fantastic to to be hanging out the front of the cinema with all these people who are who are there to respect and love movies. Like these, this is not just films that everyone looks at their their sheet and go, "Oh yeah, I'll go check this out." No, this is people who plan to see these movies. There is yep. one screening for each of these movies. They have de- they are dedicated to come to this to watch these films and discuss these movies. And that's what I loved about it is just sitting in a room full of people who just love movies. And yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, next time that there is another film festival, I'm hoping to get to the entirety of the whole film festival. I want to get that experience of just non-stop film, 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 mm. that just go through from start to finish. Mm. Uh, but overall, yeah, fantastic event. Once again, big shout out and big thank you to Kelly, Jess and Talon. Like, I, I cannot, I, I, again, I cannot stress how thankful we are for the opportunity to come down and get to review these films. Mm. No, it's been great. I've uh- Look forward to next year's, honestly. Yeah, so hopefully we've given a couple of good movie recommendations here and everyone goes out and tries to find these films and check them out themselves. Definitely. All right, so that's going to do it for this bonus episode. Thank you very much for checking out the episode and we'll see you soon for LA Confidential. Bye. Bye.